For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another tip-top episode of For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast which has a look through the unloved boy band members of cinema to see if any were Miss Justin Timberlakes or just a smorgasbord of Howie D's and Lance Basses after all. I'm Rob and it's Simon and James. How are you boys? I feel, I feel so sorry for poor Lance Bass who's just been absolutely rinsed. <laughs> and is this when the off-mic chat makes its way into the pod, weren't we discussing NSYNC at some point? Oh yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know the wolf's real name, so I just had to put Paul Lance Joey Fat One. Yeah, that's it, Joey Fat One. Fat One Twelve on the back, you know. Like, <laughs> still a substitute, even in fantasy football. <laughs> are you boys all right, lads? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, good man, good. How are you? Uh, yeah, fine, thank you very much. What have you been watching? Well, I don't know if you guys uh, remember us chatting on the pod last week, but we've had, uh, for new listeners, we've had a little bit of a running gag where none, where we were talking about, I can't remember what episode it was on now, where, uh, where we uh, we were talking about which classic films we hadn't seen and that we were ashamed of. And we all came to the conclusion that we hadn't seen Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. No way, no way. I watched it this no week. Way! You watched it? No way! Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> surprising you guys should watch it in fact you know it's pretty out of order that you present a film pod and you haven't seen what is an absolute classic so i guess some of us are just more committed to the art form than others but oh. no it's really good i'll tell you what i got most from it is that um paul verhoven before he directed basic instinct he watched vertigo a lot oh, really <laughs> interesting. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and another one that i watched this week was dragged across concrete from last year. So uh, never has a title been more apt given the sensation you feel while watching it. And that's a compliment, by the way. It's from uh, S. Craig Zala of Bone Tomahawk fame. And uh, it's long, incredibly violent, and possibly the bleakest buddy cop movie ever made. And it's on Amazon Prime for our listeners in the UK. So yeah, you can go in and watch that. But it's a good good two hours and 40 I think it's a real slow burner, but wow. worth it. I would say. Nice. Yeah, no, long, I really liked his uh, the the last one he did with Vince Vaughn. I haven't watched that yet. Heard, it sounds honestly, this one's really violent. But this one, that Vince Vaughn one, uh, but brawling cell block. Oh, the present one. Ninety nine or something. Yeah, yeah, it sounds way too violent. For, <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very. I, I absolutely loved it, but yeah, it's very, very, very violent. Um, yeah, check that out. If it's on Prime, definitely. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what about you, Sam? Um, I watched all three episodes of um, Stephen Frears' dramatisation of Major Charles Ingram's appearance on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Quiz on ITV. I watched that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was so drunk watching it, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I liked it. It was kind of cheesy, wasn't it? But it was uh, it was done really well. I thought it was. Yeah, it was because really, it was really funny. Like it, it seems like they just really focused on the comedy side of it yeah. you know getting comedy out of this situation but and i was so surprised we were talking about it and people were like oh yeah I've, I've been watching this and you know during this whole lockdown thing there's been a lot of like zoom chats and quizzes and things like that the amount of people who are treating it like it's uh oh did they do it do you think they did it and it's like of course they did it. Like, <laughs> people were saying like, oh, but the programme makes it out like they were innocent. And then I watched it. It's like, no, it 
doesn't. <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> but no, I I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed. I thought it was ace. But then other like film wise, um, just I, I've had a quite a, a bit of a chick flick bonanza. Oh, lovely. Um, so I watched. Was made to watch Sleepless in Seattle because I'd never seen it before. <gasps> Loved it. It was, oh, it was amazing. So it was really, really good. Is it any good? Oh, it's amazing. Have you not seen it either, Rob? No. Tom Hanks. It's, it's is great. Amazing. Tom oh, Hanks. So good. Yeah, Tom Hanks is great in it, and um, Meg Ryan's really good. Look at Rob. I'm too macho to watch Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> You haven't, I haven't got to my, my picks yet, mate. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to ruin any pretense of matching. Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, the other one was um, The Notebook. I'd never seen The Notebook. so we, That's good that. as well. <laughs> so good. It, really good. Um, and was just just like wallowing in a puddle of my own tears at the end of it. It was, it was amazing. Oh, it could have been so a puddle good. of something else, to be fair. So. Well, I mean, Ryan Gosling is very, very handsome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, no, it's great. It's, uh, yeah, really good. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Well, no, I've, I've watched some stuff this week, this, uh, but I'm going to be very unpopular and say I absolutely flipping hate The Notebook. But anyway, so... <laughs> 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 um, just, just good-looking people who don't know what they want. Just make your minds up. You're dead looking. <laughs> <laughs> There's a hot take. <laughs> no, I'm not the biggest fan of Nicholas Sparks's, you know, cinematic world. Um, but no, that, n- nor am I. I think that's a, quite a good one, though. To be honest, uh, uh, as they go, I, although they're all generally the same. To be perfectly yeah, yeah. honest, poor, poor James Marsden. That's my oh, uh, yeah, unique hot take. There's no, <laughs> aside from. Rachel McAdams' mum, there's no real villains in it. It just feels like it's just everyone's just a nice person. Yeah. And especially James Marsden, who's really, like, just gets properly screwed over and heartbroken, but he's all right about it. He's just like, yeah, you just, you love him. It's fine. <laughs> he just lets her go. <laughs> On your you way. What a noble yeah, James man. James Marsden had Cyclops. a real. He had a real niche of that at one point because isn't he in the Brian Singer uh, Superman movie? And he's not a bad guy in that. Yes, but Clark Kent just comes back into Lois's life and he's just like, yeah, all right then. <laughs> yeah, just Superman a good guy who gets his heart smashed on the regular. I, I'm not going to go toe-to-toe with the Man of Steel. I think he's going to... Ill, ill, ill win. That was a real niche of hit for him back in the 2000s. I'd, I'd say to him, like, mate, have you seen you? You're James Marsden. Have you seen you recently? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Poor Cyclops. No, I, uh, I've watched a couple of bits. I watched the um, the pilot of Peaky Blinders because someone said I'd really like it. Looks like I probably will really like it. So, yeah, there it's you go. It's brilliant. It's very, very – it gets better as well. I think it's one of those what gets better as it goes on. Right. Oh, well, very, very I will good. be checking yeah. back into that. Um, I watched the most unguided Ritchie film of all time, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, <laughs> which um, was absolutely brilliant. I'm not going to say any more because I'm going to be bringing that back to the pod very soon. But I introduced my little lad to Star Wars, and he's like me. His favourite of all of them is Return of the Jedi. But he's not impressed with Yoda, doesn't like Yoda very much at all. When Yoda came in, he was like, Ugh, who's that? <laughs> well, that, that's Yoda. And he said, like, oh, he's green. He wears a white dress. Can we feed him to the monster under Jabba's house? <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, speaking of the Rancor Beast, he's got a cheeky little earring. Ju- jewelry is high on the agenda in galaxies far, far away. <laughs> well, especially if you're a... 25-foot-tall snot monster. <laughs> you got to get that sorted out. Do you reckon he got it done from uh, the intergalactic version of Claire's accessories? 
Yeah. I, uh, to be honest, it made me think about his backstory. <laughs> you know, he's not just a big snot living underneath Jabba's house. This guy's got a, this guy's got a, a journey. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> he's got a past. Anyway, t- tonight's uh, movie is, well, we'll get to the, I mean, I do not know how tonight's movie qualifies. I'm so glad we get to talk about a movie of this caliber. But it is, it's going to occupy a lot of, um, special places in a lot of action fans' hearts, particularly of a certain age group. And that would really... If you liked your action movies in the 90s, you'll be, you will know exactly what this film is. So I um, think it'd be a good question to ask... Actually, sorry, it was James. James, you came forward and said, can we talk about the best action films of the 90s, what our favourite ones are? Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's just an incredible decade for action cinema. For like, mm. I I'm, I really miss this because you don't get like if I had to name like the top action movies from the last ten years, you could probably do it on like four or five, you know, on one hand, really. Like, but in the nineties, and I don't know if that's just nostalgia speaking, there were so many made, and they were the big tent poles, and they were mainstream, and they weren't all made for a big four quadrant family audience, you know. Uh, and there were some absolute gems made. So I think what I put forward with this was you're dropped on a desert island by an action movie loving megalomaniac. Let's call him James for now. And uh, <laughs> he'll let you take three 90s action movies with you. What are you guys taking? Can I go first this size? Is that all right? I mean, because I, I worry that I might forget them if I don't, <laughs> if I don't <laughs> say them now. Well, I reckon you would find this more difficult than anyone because it's oh, uh, yeah. it's just the 90s action film is a Seagal fest. It's, just, <laughs> it's so up my street, I don't know what to begin with, but I've got to take three. And there yeah, are three. Just three. Really... There's, no, there's no copping out and saying, oh, we'll joint third three only. <laughs> yeah, I think I know, I, I know my three. Yeah. It's speed. Okay. Because it's just absolutely perfect. Yeah, I watched it recently. It's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Face off. Good one. I want to take his face off. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we could go down the cage rabbit hole so quickly there, but we won't. We won't. <laughs> um, and I'm going to say that three is there are so many action movies from this that I love. But there was, I, I decided in 1997 when Face Off came out that it, as far as I, can, I was concerned, there was a um, trifecta of perfect action films. Speed, Face Off and Die Hard with a three. Because Die Hard is 1989, I'm going to go with tonight's film as the third pick. Ooh, you've, oof. Oh, you've... Oh. Controversial. Lovely. Lovely choices. We'll go into the reasons why I love it so much during that. You know, this is obviously yeah, yeah. You know, giving away my feelings for the main film tonight. But... <laughs> for your reconsideration, nah. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah. But yeah, go for it, Si. Um, Speed was also my... Um, mm. Was one of my three. It's just... It's so good. And it, I could have easily had a trio of Keanu Reeves films as well. Ooh. I went with uh, The Matrix was the other one. That was like right at the back end of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just one of the best films ever, not let alone action films. My last one, it was really hard to pick a last one, but um, I went with True Lies in the end. Oh, because oh lovely. One, I couldn't bring myself to not pick an Arnie film, and um, Terminator 2 was too easy. So I was just like, yeah, True Lies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely love True Lies. I think it's a perfect balance of um really good action cinema it's amazing it's the stuff what goes on but it's really funny yeah and arnie is just 
you know, as his career went on, he became he wanted to do more and more comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is just that that the absolute sweet spot of equal parts action and equal parts comedy. And I think I think it's one of his best films, actually. Yeah, I'd really argue really it was good. the last really good one that he was in, to be honest. I think I think mm. you're most likely right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, fantastic choices. So uh, I went with what Simon's described as the easy choice, so I picked T2. <laughs> uh, I got to see it on the big screen uh, last year when we were still allowed did, to yeah, go yeah. to cinemas for the first time ever, and it was it still held up. It was fantastic. I've also picked The Matrix uh, because it's a seminal action film and one of the best ever made, I would say, along with T2 and the original Die Hard. And then third for my 90s pick, I can't go on a desert island without some cage to get me through those long, <laughs> cold nights. So I'm going with The Rock, directed oh, by Michael so Bay. it's so hard. It is so I tough. need to see The Rock. I haven't seen The Rock for ages. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say you hadn't seen it ever. I, I, know, I, was never, uh, I haven't seen it. I, I just... <laughs> My word. I haven't seen it for years. Oh, yeah. I need to watch that again. But so fantastic choices, James. Uh, James, that's me. Uh, <laughs> fantastic choices, guys. And, you know, can't fault any of them. I would have also accepted Strap In, Con Air, Bad Boys, Demolition Man, Cliffhanger, Total Recall, Point Break, Hard Target, Time Cop, Mission Impossible, Under Siege, Air Force One, The Last Boy Scout, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Not Finished, Universal Soldier, The Fugitive, Golden Eye, Die Hard 2, Broken Arrow, The Fifth Element, Lethal Weapons 3 and 4, Ronin, Passenger 57, Starship Troopers, Desperado, Sudden Death, Executive Decision, Patriot Games, Enemy of the State, or Crimson Tide. <laughs> what wow. a decade. Crimson. Finish on a Gene Hackman. Selection. Um, <laughs> I wonder I wonder how many of those would qualify for this pod. I'd, I'd say a fair few. Well, there were two Van Damme movies I heard in there, so you know, I think we might do. Wow, what a selection that is. Can I, I, I've been thinking about this since, because we were texting each other while we were watching yeah, tonight's yeah. film, and I've been getting to think that one of the reasons that 90s action films hold up better than most or are revered as much as they, they are is because it, they happened before cheap CGI became available to make massive yeah. action moments and explosions possible. So yeah, yeah. everything mm. had to be done practically and was therefore really real. And it reminds me of that um, Quentin Tarantino quote. Say, I'm going to re- rely on you to put some beeps in here, please, mate. <laughs> so please do so. But he said about, you know, about movies with too much of, you know, too much CGI trickery in. Um, if I wanted all this computer game bullshit, I'd stick my d- in a Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the fence as ever. <laughs> and when it comes to my action um, movies, I'm exactly the same. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they were made. So the Matrix is a perfect example that it cre- um, and something that they lost. I felt in the sequels is that it gets the mix of CGI and exactly practical right. Yeah. just right mm. because the technology wasn't there yet, so they could get away with certain things. But for the most part, it still had to do things practically. And I think that's why those these movies don't age badly uh, in comparison yeah. to some things that are made in the 2000s and some things that I think will age appallingly from this decade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very true, very true. I love that discussion. And this, um, it's such a uh, such a sweet one. You know, it's, it is really close to all our hearts as well because that was yeah, like when yeah, yeah. we were first falling in love with movies as well, wasn't it? Like- I think it is as well. And I think it's, you know, um, what you have with that as well is he also had the sort of the illicit element of watching a lot of these because I don't know if you guys were like me, but I wasn't 
18 and 15 when I first saw a lot of these movies for the first time. I was like 12 or 10 or 11. Like Basically, the rule was in our house, if there was no boobs in it, it was all right. You could watch it. (laughs) So good. And if there were boobs, I'd get fast-forwarded through quite quickly. <laughs> so awkward always seeing an accidental boobs scene in a with your parents. It's like yeah, da, no. da, da, da. <laughs> no So if any of that. our listeners are thinking of watching Die Hard with a Vengeance tonight's film with their children, be assured there's no boobs in this one. Yes. Eventually we're allowed to talk about it because none of our parents ran in to fast forward it. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes, if there are, it's just been skipped over, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure there is, you know, like there will be a film out there where I watch it again as an adult and I'm like, hang on, there's new seeing this <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> uh well in which case i think we've given the game away we all know what movie we're talking about james do you want to introduce this one tonight mate yes so uh to set this one up so bruce willis as john McClane embarks on a scavenger hunt through new york city in order to defeat a frosted tipped theatrical baddie Partnered with Samuel L. Jackson, a grubby vest and a hangover from hell, the film is, of course, 1995's action bonanza, Die Hard with a Vengeance. They're headed east on 72nd towards the park. He's a New York cop with a nose for trouble. He's taking the scenic route. A knack for making enemies. And a talent for beating the odds. On a good day, he's a great cop. On a bad day, he's the best there is. Oh, what happened? You got a triple A card? The fact that we're allowed to talk about this is an absolute. I feel so privileged to talk about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) To be able to bring it to our listeners. It's incredible. It's arguably the best film we've done. I know we did Sorcerer, which is a masterpiece, but I'd probably watch Die Hard with a Vengeance if I, you know, gun to my head. Like, like, I'm on my deathbed. Like, what do you want to watch? Do you want to watch Sorcerer again? And, oh, hang on. Sorcerer is jolly good, isn't it? No, but it's Die Hard with a Vengeance. (laughs) Um, Lads, what's your relationship with Die Hard with a Vengeance? I've just seen it about 20 times. (laughs) I've seen it loads. I think, again, um, obviously it came out in 1995. I was... 10 or 11 that um when this will have came out so it's a dvd sh- it's a dvd shop i wish a video shop yeah. or a, a sky movies uh, experience for me probably watching it with my dad before i was old enough to see it mm. Mm. and i think i saw this before i saw the original die hard as well oh, did you yeah yeah because oh. i won't have seen die i don't think i will have been allowed to see die hard when i was 10 it's quite but it's, it's, it's die hard the original is bloodier than this than this one it is, yeah, it is. There are some pretty, you know, raucous moments. There's one in particularly <laughs> gory scene, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> Die Hard for the... I think, that, yeah, Die Hard was definitely about the, um, oh, we're all made of the same stuff, wasn't it? You know, like that. Yeah, yeah. Heavy going. Uh, si, what about you? The uh, You've seen it a number of times. Do you remember your first viewing? I don't. I honestly don't remember the first viewing of it. I just... 
when this came out, the 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 game was out on the PlayStation, oh, the Diehard trilogy is. game, and the uh, the the Diehard with a Vengeance bit was the 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 car one where you had to just race around New York trying to get the bombs. Yeah, yeah. And I think that simultaneously, because I was massively into my games when I was a kid, that coming out on the PlayStation it was like, right, I have to then watch all these films and love all these films. So they were very much a parallel, I think. Yeah. All the Die Hard films and the game. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say, um, I remember going around to a mate's house and I'd not seen any of the Die Hard films and he had that game and it was like, what is this? You know, yeah. and the fact that all three are so different from each other as well. Yeah. Each one was so fresh and new and enjoyable, but, violent as well you know like yeah i remember that like the the second one the the first person shooter in the airport i remember playing that i'm like this is unlike anything i've ever played in my life before and the third one was a bit like it was like a precursor to gta wasn't it you know yeah, with an open world yeah. you could drive around doing stuff and you run uh, pedestrians oh, well, over and like the window and then it was like i need to see what these are based on and um yeah, Sky Movies one night, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance was on. And, um, yeah, it was one of the most grown-up films I'd ever seen by that point. Yeah. You know, uh, because what, you know, as we'll get into, but what the Die Hard movies did so well, especially the McTiernan-directed ones, were um, the scope, the gravity was so severe, like so much was at stake. Yeah. And you could feel it, you know, you could feel the tension. And that level of tension was something as a kid I was not prepared for remotely. So, um, so yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. So, in which case, how does how does this qualify? Let's start, James. Budget and box office. We always go with you first yeah. on this one, mate. What have you got? Well, as you can imagine, this is the in the middle of a is it a five or a six film franchise? Now it's five, isn't it? I, honestly, I haven't seen yes, the five, fifth yeah. one. I haven't seen the fifth one. I haven't I'm seen the fifth one. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I've heard terrible things, um, and I know what sort of Bruce Willis's work <laughs> ethic is like these moment. days. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to watch it. I have seen the fourth one. I think I went to the cinema with Simon to watch the fourth one. Actually, <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> which did, was yeah. which was okay. It was kind of like right. this one, to be honest. Yeah, it's all right. It, it's definitely it suffers the problems of two. I think yeah, the fourth yeah. one. Yeah, in that they tried to replicate the formula from the previously successful one. So yeah, yeah, and he's and John McClane's a superhero. Yeah, and it's like yeah, but, um, Bruce wasn't phoning it in in that one. I promise you, he is in five. Yeah, yeah, I've, there was stuff I liked about five, but he phoned it right. Yeah, in. of course he did. Um, as Sly Stallone called him when he asked for too much money on one of those uh, Expendables sequels, he said, "He's greedy and lazy." <laughs> <laughs> Thought Sly was in the room then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so let, let's talk box office. So, um, budget for this was ninety million dollars. So, not to be sniffed at in the mid nineties. Uh, the film earned one hundred million in North America and two hundred and sixty-six million in other markets, giving it a total worldwide gross of three hundred and sixty-six million and making it the highest-grossing film of nineteen ninety-five. Can wow, you imagine a big summer tentpole making three hundred and sixty-six million worldwide these days, and being that—that that doesn't even wash most faces these days in terms of <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be that would be considered an absolute bomb. Like for instance, like Alita: Battle Angel, which nobody seems to like, but I quite enjoyed from last year, made about four hundred million worldwide. Granted, the budget was a lot more. 
but they're not going to do a sequel to that because it barely broke even. Like that's the difference now. Really? It's crazy. Yeah, that... You have to be tu- you have to be touching billions, yeah, don't yeah. you? Yeah, that's that's bonkers, bonkers. And when you think about it, like ninety million. I mean, this is like it did four times made it made its money back four times over yeah fantastic yeah Yeah. so it doesn't get in on box office because it's a huge hit internationally and then you know dvd sales on top of that because it's had such a long life on vhs and dvd as well hasn't it because it's just at the cusp when vhs and laser disc are changing over and then dvd will boom in the next few years as well like I'm worried here now because I was hoping because it, <laughs> it was a financial flop because I don't want to pick any fights with any any critics. But Sai, <laughs> I'm assuming that critically, yes. Well, obviously because of the box office roaring box office success, it would be uh, critically where this qualifies. It's just nuts. I just yeah. I think when James, you sort of established it would qualify we were all just like what how what what was going on in summer of 95 for people to rag on this film so much (laughs) um (laughs) if we go to rotten tomatoes the critical percentage is 52 (sighs) percent which is just it's just insanely low um unsurprisingly the audience side of it is 83 percent. so there's a big, (laughs) big sort of difference Similar story on Metacritic, slightly higher at 58 with an audience at 8.7, so even higher on the audience as well. Letterboxd, I was a bit surprised with Letterboxd, actually. I I was really hoping for our first sort of four-star one. (laughs) (laughs) But it's 3.6 on Letterboxd. So it's like really average out. Um, I did go into the sort of lower end of um, Letterboxd reviews to try and mine for some comedy gold. It was just full of like, modern day holier than now takes and it just really pissed me off so i was like i'm not giving any any airtime to these people but uh critic wise at the time this doesn't surprise me either is that it did a lot better critically over here than it did in america yeah i think andrew collins who i think he was the editor of empire at the time possibly he gave it five stars and then ryan gilby of the independent scored it well, and the Radio Times gave it four out of five as well. On the other side of the pond, it was kind of... There wasn't really anything super negative. Mm. Like, there was no real, like, one-star, like, this is rubbish sort of thing. It was... Everything was just really average and middling, and that's probably what keeps the scores down on this one. All the complaints were the same, that the franchise had run out of steam, and we've treaded over similar things, which I don't agree with. No, I don't. Yeah. I think this is a real expansion of the diehard formula, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. As as always, as is custom here, we have to go to what Mick LaSalle thought of the... Of the Come on, Mick. Yeah. Come on, Mick. You need to get back in our good graces. Rob was very disappointed with you last week, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't happy at all. I, and Rob never gets angry. I can't, I, I'm like, I'm on the edge of it here. <laughs> he was quite balanced. He gave it three out of four. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. That's, that's good. He was quite into it. He said... The the thing what was weird about his review was he said this was the weakest of the trilogy because obviously it was only three it was the third you know of the three I just don't think that's true at all yeah. it's, 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 it's better than two it's definitely better than two. Two. better than two and I like two's two right. but, two's okay yeah. yeah Sadler's yoga backside for <laughs> naked <laughs> naked yoga <laughs> uh, but another positive American uh, Ebert loved it um, ah. Ebert said it was um, he gave it three out of four as well and said. Uh, basically a wind-up action toy, cleverly made and delivered with high energy. It delivers just what it advertises, with a vengeance. Oh. Ebs. Oh, he loves it, Ebs. Ebs liked it. Um, awesome. You know, it might appear that critics didn't like it, 
but that's not really the case. It's just that they all just thought it was really average. Yeah. So that's why it's got a really average 50% score, I think. Can I get, play devil's advocate slightly in terms of uh, why the critical fraternity might have given it a bit of a lukewarm uh, reaction? And it's it's nothing to do with the film itself. It's more to do with real-world events. So Go for it. exactly one month before this was due to come out, uh, the Oklahoma City bombing happened, oh, which killed no 168 way. people and injured 680 others. So possibly... Obviously, given the world that we live in at the moment, nothing exists within a vacuum. Like whenever you're enjoying something on TV, you realise that the world's ending outside your window. So potentially, yeah. it's just that maybe pe- maybe people just weren't in the right frame of mind to go and watch a fun action film where bombs are going off all over a, over a city. Yeah. yeah so I think that's probably why people are a little less hot on it than they would have been if maybe... Yeah. It had been moved a year or moved yeah. six months or something well, like that. But yeah, that's it. Because they were saying they had the the cut a few bits out, didn't they, or re-edited yeah, yeah. some bits because of that. But that reminds me of when um, do you remember Team America World Police when that <laughs> came out? <laughs> yes, that came out just after the tsunami, I think it was. And then there's a scene in Team America where they blow up a dam and it just floods a village, and there's all these floating marionette dolls and stuff. <laughs> and I, I remember. I remember at the cinema at the time, everyone was just like, like, <laughs> like, like, like laughing throughout the rest of the film. And obviously it was supposed to be done quite comedically, yeah. but <laughs> everyone's there, like the cinema's deadly silent with these floating dolls just yeah. like through the river. Yeah, they kind of uh, should have cut that out, really. Yeah. It's so difficult, isn't it? Because obviously yeah. you make these things so far in advance. And you can't, you can't take the, you know, the real world still is going on while you're in production on this film. And they could have moved it. I think if it was made today, it would have moved like six months further away from yeah, the incident or maybe a year. Would have, would have uh, but it, yeah. back in the 90s, people didn't give a fuck and said, we've got a release date to me and it's going <laughs> out. I think as well, like back, back in the 90s and the noughties as well, and, you know, summer was the... yeah the big thing of movie releases when it it really doesn't matter anymore you can release a film whenever and you'll yeah you know the film will do business no matter what whereas obviously back then it was really important to hit that summer release window so they were just like yeah it's still got to come out i'm really sorry <laughs> <laughs> some studio execs with, with no soul just like, <laughs> gotta make that paper um <laughs> sorry <laughs> What's your favourite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favourite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favourite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth podcast network, and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Should we get into the movie? Should we give it a little... Oh, absolutely. So I think before we kick off, we should say that this is obviously directed by John McTiernan, who directed the original Die Hard and also directed Predator, The Hunt for Red October, 
and the Thomas Crown Affair, which is really good as well. And he's action cinema royalty, I think it's fair to say. And yes. he would still be making movies to this day if he had not lied to the FBI and gone to jail. So in late 2000... Is that what, is hi- that what it was? Yeah, he hired a private investigator to illegally wiretap the phone calls of two people, one of whom was Charles Rovin, a co-producer on his dystopian science fiction action film remake rollerball he went to prison because he had a falling out with the producer on rollerball i did not know i because i was looking at his imdb and i was like why doesn't john mctiernan make movies anymore and now i know why (laughs) how long long has he been in there is he still there no he's been out for years he's been out for ages the only way it's you know it's a white collar crime isn't it i suppose really yeah yeah, i did not know that holy he wasn't like playing basketball in san quentin at noran <laughs> Come out, out absolutely, absolutely hench. <laughs> yeah, I just, I imagine. I, obviously, we don't know this for a fact, but I imagine once you illegally wiretap a producer, that you know people aren't so keen to sign on. Like work with yeah. you in the so what? What's he doing now? I mean, do we know anything Jeez. about him? I, I don't know. I assume he's he's either been forced to retire or he's desperately trying to get things made. He's not a writer, you know. He's a he's an action film a, director. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I imagine he's just never been able to get anything off the ground since. Can I can I put our you know, I'll lay it down on the table. John McTiernan, if you'd like to come on the FYR podcast and tell tell your side. Yeah. Um, I, I thought you were going to ask him to direct the movie adaptation of one of your books then. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes, that too. Although if you want to do that <laughs> just because you thought about it first, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, apparently he's got a film in production called Tau Seti 4, which is an action sci-fi starring Uma Thurman, but I'd be and he's had to write and produce uh, and direct that, so I don't know. So he's like he's properly blacklisted. Yeah, the last film he put so out was also, also starred uh, Samuel L. Jackson and one Tron, John Travolta basic. Uh, which I doesn't Never ring a bell, to be honest. I think I've seen Never it, but it doesn't it. ring a bell. Yeah, I remember. What what year was Basic? 2003. It's not a good title for a film, is it really? No. <laughs> Basic. <laughs> Basic. Uh, you're going to have to do a lot of work to get it above a three-star rating if your <laughs> film is just average itself. It's called... called... Generic. The new movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the sort of thing that when Commode's reviewing it, you imagine he went, well, well, the title says it all, really, Simon. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the on the, uh, on the poster, the quote was just, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Average. The job like, I directed Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's why we haven't heard from Big John in a long time. Amazing. Well, well yeah, I've learned something today because I did wonder. I yeah. have to admit, every time I watch Predator, I'm like, this film is perfect. Why is this guy not doing films anymore? <laughs> yeah. Well, mainly because his career trajectory went from the director who bought you Die Hard, Predator, and Basic. The movie starts with. Uh, one of the best soundtrack choices. Yeah, going brilliant. Like it's so good. 
um, like as well, it's just like right. We're not at Christmas time now because the other two previous diehards have all, all been sat around Christmas. Where it's summer, it's an on the nose song choice, but it's a banging tune, and it's one of the best yeah. openings to um to a film. So memorable, yeah. it's so memorable. Yeah. The opening, it is, isn't it? And that stretchy, elongated diehard font that's slightly oh, yeah. too so, tall. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cheesy, <laughs> it but it's so really good. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? It's just like a proper like generic uh, New York City montage, isn't it? Because we're yeah. in New York as well. Like you, you know, yeah, we yeah. know McLean is a cop from New York, but. This is the first time he's in his home city. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so it pans across the streets, and a bomb goes off. Yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah, it is amazingly shot. It just really is amazingly shot because you're getting your standard like sort of. You can imagine it in the cinema, you know, when you go and watch it, you just sort of settling into your seat, and you're like, right, yeah, you're getting your standard sort of establishing shots of the city, and we're seeing you know New Yorkers up and about, and the hustle and bustle of the city, and then boom, like, and it's like, right, Bosch, we're in now, let's go, and from yeah. that moment. The film never ever stops to take a breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's got to be that it's got to be like the the you know like when you, when you get football like the quickest goal in the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah it's got to yeah. be like the 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 quickest time you get into an action movie. It's like straight away you just boom. But I hope it was sort of punishment for those dickheads who rock up to the cinema after the film starts. Yeah, yeah. And you get someone like with popcorn and nachos. Like, go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nachos everywhere. That's what you get. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> I, 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 as you say, you're straight into it, but um, we're not told what the loss of life in there is. But it feels a bit rude to say that, considering there must have been. But it sets that there's massive jeopardy. That's what I'm yeah, trying to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. It so- sets up massive jeopardy straight away without me saying anything dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ordered to say that because I was I was like I was looking through my notes from what I've written down and I was like did they ever address how many people were killed in that explosion at the start? And yeah, yeah. Well, at any point in the film. they did, you know. You know what struck me about this film and it's more because it is a popcorn film and it's not looking to get into like, you know, the psychology of what happens when terrorism comes down on city. But Quite a chilled reaction from the city regarding various acts of terrorism going on throughout the day. Like, everything just carried on. Yeah, I never even thought about that at all. Because obviously we know that the, the cops, as the film progressed, they're all over the place and going mad trying to track down, you know, the next elements to the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone else is just, hey-ho. They need to get a hold of, um, well, sorry. Can we just get to one of the greatest off-screen introductions to a villain ever? Yeah. When they want to get uh, the chief of police, Walter Cobb, on the phone. What a great actor he is, by the way. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he, he gets past a phone, and it's that brilliant voice from Jeremy Irons. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? Yeah. Have a go of it. Have a go. Oh, I just no, I could, no one could do justice to Jeremy. I Irons. can't do it. It's like a, it's like a even, it's like a ham sandwich, Hans Gruber, isn't it? Like, is it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. intentionally so. He knows what he's doing. He's playing it quite big. I think well, it's, like, it definitely. It's is, such yeah. a perfect follow up to um, yeah. Alan Rickman, isn't it? Because it is, yeah. wasn't wasn't there some scientific study that said. The, the most perfect voice would be a blend of Rickman and Jeremy Irons. Oh, is that true? In terms of diction and, and, and velvety sounds, oh, that would be the perfect voice the, the cross voice between them two. Spot on. Yeah. <laughs> It'd work on me. Let's put it that way. 
well, he's he's very British, isn't he? Like yeah, he's still yeah. proper British, even though yeah, yeah he German. is. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's so chilling, and and it's told in um, via the foot of the. It's an extreme close up of the um, policeman, isn't it? The uh, the chief cop yeah. as he reacts to what he's being told on the phone. And I can't remember what his opening line is. It's it's something about you know like. It's not the bit about pigeons because later on, because I love the early lines. You know, Where are my pigeons? Bright and gay. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about, man, but I'm absolutely obsessed with every word that's coming from your mouth. And then they've got to get Bruce Willis. Yeah. And he's on, he's on a bender. Oh, he's he's on suspension as well. He's which a is, broken man, isn't he? Oh, yeah. he is. He <laughs> which is. is absolutely, uh, it's such a good take because, right, let's real world this for a sec, uh, for a second. Let's say John McClane is a real person, right? Is he not just like the well-known, most heroic person in all, all of America? Surely he's been pushed out to front like a, a local government run at some point you know like is he a commentator on a right-wing news channel about second amendment <laughs> rights <laughs> like there's no way he's like a disgraced cop at this stage but i love it it's such an it makes him the underdog straight away and that's why we love die hard yeah but yeah that's why yeah that is because that is that is why you love the first one because yeah. like he's a he's a bit of a shit you know with his wife he's like you know he's a terrible husband yeah and, um you know He's a he's proven he's a good cop, but the reason I can't get on that well with the second diehard is because he's like I said he's this hero and everyone knows him. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, Oh my god, you're John McLean, the guy who did that Nekatomi Plaza, and it's just like, oh, you've just lost the everyman stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then for this one, for for this one, they just managed to get it back, and it's like, right, we're, we're gonna bro- he's gonna be a complete broken man, and his yeah. his marriage is like seemingly over and yeah, he's, yeah. he's turned to the to the bottle and he's just so he many good lines about what a state he's in as well you know like <laughs> alcohol is supposed to be taken internally John <laughs> you know like how much he stinks <laughs> so good and a perfect excuse to have him in a vest yeah <laughs> I honestly I think this this version of Bruce is the best looking version of Bruce you're gonna yeah, find yeah definitely uh, but that's what I like most about this is it's such a um, an out there um, sort of portrayal. Can you imagine any other A-list movie star allowing themselves to be photographed in the way that Bruce Willis is photographed in this, like <laughs> with the receding hair and just <laughs> unshaven and just looking like he smells like he slept in a gutter the night before? Like, yeah, it's a real commitment. And he had that back then, back in the nineties, when he still yeah. cared about what he was putting out. You know, yeah. I think actually, now that we talk about it like that, his. I don't know whether I want to say the word decline, but the decline in a, his apparent care with what it, with his roles he was taking and the yeah. effort he was putting into them is a really sad story because this Bruce is just brilliant. He's fantastic. You're with him from the start. Like he is a he is a you know a borderline alcoholic, and clearly nobody at the police department likes him because he basically I don't <laughs> think he plays by the rules. He gets the job done, but he doesn't. Yes, he's, and he's not made, no, not one person in the whole department vouches for him at any point to no, say no. he's a good guy, he's all right, you know. He gets called, <laughs> called a toilet bug at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely uncharitable stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, anyway, Simon gets Cobb on the phone and says, we need McLean, and they have to track down McLean and pull him out of whatever boozer they found him in it. <laughs> that, that's that. That's how you introduce an action. You know, a, a, a villain. Uh, not a villain. Sorry, sorry, a star. That's how you bring in your everyman hero. 
you drag him up literally as he's got a hangover and he wants aspirin and coffee. And then very, very quickly, he's put into a situation I've never seen before in a film or never will again. Again, another scenario that any other A-list actor would never allow never. Yeah. themselves. Never. We're going to put you in a sandwich no. board with a racial epithet on the front of it, and you're going to walk through Harlem. Obviously, when they shot the film, they didn't. There's some CGI trickery there. It doesn't say what it says in the right. <laughs> oh, that- film when they were shooting oh. it. <laughs> yeah. Quentin Tarantino, remove your manhood from that Nintendo machine. Yeah, yeah. Get it that's out a of good my use of that, That's an appropriate <laughs> use of CGI, I would exactly, say. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, like, all, I mean, that is just, that's deeply powerful, that, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, d- deeply unsettling in every single way. But I, I thought, like, both, because um, we get introduced to Sam Jackson's character at this point, and. Oh, yeah. um, the, Who's the, fantastic the, as well. Like, I he love, is, yeah, he's completely so I, I think we said when we were chatting off air, I was just saying, like, Sam Jackson now is probably no, best known to people either as in the Star Wars prequels or as Nick Fury in the Avengers films Such and all the Marvel things. movies. <laughs> but in the 90s, he was the go-to sidekick character for every sort of mid-level uh, action thriller and yeah. he's so good Long at that role night, yeah. Yeah, yeah what yeah, a yeah. film that is as well i was looking to see if that qualifies yeah. unfortunately it doesn't because uh, <laughs> i never had that I'd... Long Kiss Goodnight. Obviously, this is a year after Pulp Fiction. So Sam Jackson was a working actor up until Pulp Fiction, but he hadn't really popped until he got the Oscar nomination for playing Jules in Pulp Fiction. And Bruce Willis actually recommended him uh, Sam Jackson for the role of um of Zeus wow. in Die Hard with a Vengeance. And apparently uh, Sam Jackson was over the moon with this um, because he's seen the original Die Hard 30 times at that point. Oh. <laughs> and he was well into it and he wanted to be oh. in it. He's brilliant. You love that. Like You do get the impression that Sam Jackson is just this... It's like such a normal dude, and he just loves yeah. every single minute of his job. Yeah. But it was because it was supposed to be Lawrence Fishburne, wasn't it? He was... Supposed to be, oh, really? he was originally sort of cast as Zeus, but yeah. he turned it down. Um, and then he tried to go back on it and try to get the job back. And he like, now nah, we've got Sam Jackson now, so it was fine, mate. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> could have been could have could have been old Larry Fishburne. Yeah, yeah. What's this I've got here? Oh, the Matrix. I'll do- <laughs> 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 this one will go. <laughs> he did all right, Larry. In the end, he was fine. <laughs> Sam Jackson's just so good in this movie, and. Would you say it's one of his like defining roles after Pulp Fiction? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, would, he had yeah. this character down in the nineties. So this uh, wisecracking, quite angry guy, but ob- clearly intelligent and capable as well. Yeah, like, yeah. and he had this down, and he just got such an attitude, and the way he delivers dialogue is just so bang on. And you know, he's got. Um, yeah. Even though he obviously has a uh, has a problem with the NYPD generally coming into Harlem and in particular white police officers, he's got a very good moral compass because he sees Bruce Willis walking down the street with the um, with the racial epitaph on the sandwich board. He sees that you know he's going to come across some. Um, uh, some guys on the block who are going to do him some damage, and he goes out there to help him at great uh, risk to his own self. Risk yeah. to himself. Yeah. 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 And so much character setting up there, isn't there? You know, setting up character is so good there. And I want to say as well, before we get too deep into this, this is um, this is a fantastic action screenplay. I think it's really well written from start to end. There's so much. Everything that's set up is paid off at some point, even the 
the bit of dialogue in the van regarding uh, police officers playing their badges as their lottery yeah, numbers because yeah, yeah, that comes yeah, yeah. back later on. Because they mention the they mention the dump trucks as well in that scene, don't Absolutely, they? Absolutely, uh, yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah. Fourteen stolen dump trucks just yeah. like randomly chucked in there. Like, like what's yeah. going on today? It's like all oh, this bombing, and then all oh, oh, these fourteen dump trucks got stolen, and yeah. It, it's a really smartly written script, isn't it's it? It's incredibly well plotted, and it's actually written by an FYR alumni in Jonathan Hensley, who directed the Punisher movie, which we covered <laughs> way back. Welcome <laughs> back! Um, yeah. And also, this was not supposed to be a diehard script. He had a spec script called Simon Says, which was this essential plot, and then they, uh, the studio picked it up, and then they retroactively made it a diehard movie afterwards, after the fact. Whoa. You can sort of see that yeah, 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 when yeah, you watch it because it's yeah. very. There are a lot of parallels to Speed, uh, yeah, yeah, which came out the uh, year year before, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was obviously a huge success. So they all the studios were trying to pick up scripts similar Their to version that. Of speed, and, yeah, yeah. And um, was I right in that I um, that I'd read that it was apparently a lethal weapon to begin with? They were trying to do it as a lethal weapon vehicle. Yes. So Joel Silver wanted it. And they were going to make that Lethal Weapon 3 or 4. I'm not sure which came out first, but they wouldn't sell it to Joel Silver. Um, and then it became the third Die Hard. Now, Jonathan Hensley says that the first hour of the film is essentially his spec script, but with McLean put in um, right, instead yeah. of whoever the original character was. And then the second half is when he had to do the most re- rewriting on the script to make it, to make it yeah. fit. Die Hard, basically. Wow, wow. Die Hard. That's fascinating. And that that and you can you can tell that because uh, yeah, that, after that first hour, it does change gear into it does, definitely a very similar thing to the first Die Hard in the terrorists and yeah, heist and all that stuff. But we will get to that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, but I, so, that's fascinating to hear that because you can and what a high concept that was as well. The Simple Simon stuff. Yeah. You know, really, really good. Oh, I love all the riddle stuff. It's yeah. really good as yeah. a kid. I say a kid because that suggests I watched this when I was like a, a bright-eyed <laughs> seven-year-old. Like, oh, John McClane! <laughs> so, you know, when I was when I was younger watching it, I I loved all that stuff, like the yeah. the, the wild goose chase, and mm. and obviously um, the way the police chief says the name Simon, Simon, uh, when he when he's on the phone to him because <laughs> uh, I just oh, I absolutely loved it, Simon. <laughs> just another bit of praise for Jonathan Hensley because we might not be able to touch on it when we get in there. Is that I found that uh, all the supporting characters were really well drawn as well and that usually yeah. gets lost in the shuffle with these kind of movies like the supporting characters who later in the film are having to evacuate children out of schools and dispose of bombs and stuff like that they're all set up really well and they all feel like well-drawn individuals rather than just cannon fodder or or you know mm, just afterthoughts. Yeah. it feels like it's a really really good script i think yeah something what was really overlooked with the original reviews it seems that they didn't really give it credit where it was due there yeah. in that respect in terms of how well written the script was because it's so fast-paced and like oh, it just absolutely moved. bananas it's so quick the first hour, like first 45 minutes especially is just so exhilarating and crazy and you know pedal to the metal sort of stuff and you're going to overlook how, like how well the scripts you know all the hard work the script's doing to yeah. give all that reason and give all that you know, an excuse to be happening on screen and it's not just for the sake of cars blowing up or um, a high-speed chase or whatever. It's all really smartly woven together, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. I think there's only one character that doesn't age great, actually, and that's the woman who, when she finds out that the whole 
we've got to handle all the police communication as well as the, yeah. you know. And she says, and I'm married to Donald Trump. <laughs> yes, but Jonathan Hensley couldn't see that 20 years in the future. <laughs> Honestly, the amount of old films you watch and Donald Trump gets a mention, oh, it's, it's insane. <laughs> it is insane. It just shows how interweaved with New York he was back then and yeah, what a celebrity yeah, yeah. was before he even did The Apprentice. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, fuck him. Let's 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 move on. <laughs> so, um, so Sam Jackson Zeus saves uh, Jean McLean from getting probably murdered by some guys. Did you say Jean McLean there? Jean McLean, yeah. It's the French <laughs> yeah, Jean, I watch. Jean. Oh, could you imagine? It's it, it's uh, Jean Claude here from the NYPD. Oh. <laughs> How good that would be! How good would it be if Jean Claude had played Simon? Oh, like casting an actual European. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, Jeremy Irons is European. What am I fucking talking about? <laughs> Actually, you know, but he has form with talking about pigeons. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we would have been fine. He'd have never been able to get that dialogue out, Rob. No chance. There's no way. Absolutely no, no way. way. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so then suddenly, yeah, they're back at the the police station and there's a, a shrink there and uh, John McClane is not keen on those. <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> Which is a staple of 90s action films as well. The, it is, isn't the, it? The yes. psychiatrist who works in the police department always gets short shrift from the macho cops on duty. <laughs> Mental yeah. health and, and well-being was not high on the agenda in the 90s. <laughs> They weren't allowed to be in tune with your feelings no, in no. 1990s. Police departments, no chance. Uh, and um, they're sent off on another trip. Uh, they've got um, – oh, and it's so good. They've got to go, like, I don't know, one end of New York to the other in half an hour yeah. in middle-of-the-morning traffic. And those scenes of them nicking a, a taxi and going through Central Park are the oh, most – so good, yeah. So iconic and exciting. I'm so glad that Simon mentioned the video game because it took me right back to playing that in my bedroom. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole video game was based on this sequence. Wasn't yeah, it? basically, like just yeah, just yeah. this one bit. This this taxi where it goes all crazy taxi through Central Park. On massive props and respect to the stunt driver in this movie. Yeah, like, yeah. The logistics of this whole scene and it's just it's it's nuts how they've managed to film this massive thing going through Central Park. Yeah. And it really looks like New York is just as normal and all the people in the background are just normal New Yorkers being like, what the fuck's going on? It's like, <laughs> it, it proper sells it as a summer's day in New York. <laughs> yeah. and it, it's just, I, I, it boggles my mind how they managed to shoot this movie and in particular this scene. Yeah. Amazing stunt work it's so going good. on in, in this whole bit. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. And what I like about this as well is that um, obviously Zeus has been told that he has to accompany McLean on these expeditions across the city to find different clues, even though he's not a police officer because uh, Simon keeps referring to him as the Samaritan. Yes. And uh, basically, he's, he's, he's spoiled his fun, so he's in for the in for it as well, essentially. Yeah. And the back and forth and the chemistry between Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson is spot on. And I think this is such a good element that they've added to the mix of Die Hard. So in the first two, you always had sort of that buddy element with Powell, but that was always over the yeah. radio, wasn't it, at a distance? Yeah, yeah, This yeah. is the first time he's actually had someone in – it's two men in the wrong place at the wrong time, basically, yeah, which yeah. is, no, it's and it's so well done. And it, I don't think it would have worked if you hadn't had an actor like the caliber of Samuel L. Jackson, who's so hot in his career at that have. point. 
and couldn't have worked. And you know, he's just ready. He, he's realised, you know, the Pulp Fiction casting and what have you. This is his chance now, you know, and he's going to make himself a movie star. And the next few years, he just becomes the Sam Jackson that we know today, basically. Yeah. But he's so good in this movie. Like he has me laughing out loud at so many different points. Like the first yeah. interaction they have in the uh, in the cab after. I know we're going oh, back slightly stupid, when when he get after Sam Jackson gets stabbed trying to save uh, <laughs> save, and he goes, "Oh, thanks, Jesus." Because why do you keep calling me Jesus? Do I look Puerto Rican to you? <laughs> <laughs> the righteous anger, anger is so funny and well delivered throughout. He's fantastic, and then yeah, obviously they they get in the cab and they have to go from one end of New York to the other to stop a bomb going off in a subway station, and it's at this point that they decide that they need to split up because it's the only way to do it, basically. So Sam Jackson takes the cab and Bruce Willis does some diehard stuff and jumps onto a moving subway train <laughs> yeah, to try and get yeah. that bomb off. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's I'd totally forgotten about it. and it, It's brilliant, and he's so good. You know, um, even when he finds the device in, like, the yeah. emergency phone box, and he's like, oh, all these so little good. movements, and no one gets beat up better than Bruce Willis no, in no. this era. Nobody does. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's he's not vain at all. Like he plays it yeah. as a you know, as a downtrodden working class sort of New York cop, you know. Yeah. And he doesn't try to be an action man. That's why it, these early diehard films work so well, because he's just he's just an everyman. He's just a regular guy trying to do his job. I was very surprised how polite he was with the public throughout. I thought he'd be horrible. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets really annoyed with Sam Jackson when he tells that fat woman to get off the phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, even worse, the, the, the cops say something like, you know, um, oh, they've got a problem. You know, how big a problem? Oh, about 300 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it was the nineties. <laughs> and he get, but he jumps on this uh, subway train, gets the bomb out the back. Yeah. Uh, more great stuff with Simple Simon sending him yeah. all over the place, and then uh, boom! I was thinking like, surely some people died here, and then the co- <laughs> cop comes up and said something like, you know, four sprained backs, a couple of you know. Twisted ankles, and yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's few people hurt their funny bone, and someone, some yeah, woman yeah, it's like a really broke, basically but... tiny list of injuries, despite a, a subway car the back flipping, end of a train yeah, like, yeah. flipping yeah. across the, the platform at a major subway station. But yes, yeah, oh, so, another little tidbit you know, those people who are running away from the exploded train on the on the subway platform, they're really running because they had no control over how fast the back end of that train went when. Oh really? <laughs> Marvelous. Uh, and then, yeah, the the film changes pace here, doesn't it? It does, yeah, because we find out that the fella who purports to be Simon is actually Hans Gruber's older brother. We hear it from some crisp FBI yeah, guy. This is the big reveal, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Now, for me, it isn't much of an appeal, and it also makes me question um, John McClane's for all this her- heroism. Not much of a detective. Surely, as soon as he heard a German accent <laughs> on the telephone, he's like, yeah, "This is going to be a Gruber." This. <laughs> when the main body starts speaking in German, that yeah. might make you remember as a New York cop that the other rather important life moment in your life was when a German voice was involved. <laughs> you might yeah. think, like, "Hang on, might jar something loose a little bit." Yeah. Especially then in the thing in the taxi or wherever it is with those guys, they say like. 
this is uh, what do I think it was Simon Krieg or something like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, and uh, you know he's uh, German. Like surely it's ding 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 yeah. ding ding. <laughs> you know that should be the giveaway, but but no, no, no. no. I mean it's no problem. It's fine. But it's you know it's fine. I love I love how they go back to the Grubers because it, it again going back to what I thought was problems with the second one is it it gets away from yeah. the how can this same shit happen to the same guy for a third time. Yeah. 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 But it it gives it a reason mm-hmm. why it's McLean. Like it wouldn't happen to anyone else. It has to be McLean. Yeah. Because of this Gruber. And that's why having this as Hans Gruber's brother yeah. is so good. Exactly. Because it, it does get away from that um the you know, the the coincidental thing of the second one. Yeah. As implausible as the plot is, the fact that it's his brother, well, closing the title and it, it's seeking revenge, it does make yeah, it, yeah. it gives you that suspension of disbelief and that's enough for you to get on the train again. It is, yeah. And there's also this notion that um, even the baddies plot is putting John McClane down because yeah. it, the plot isn't really about him. He's just used as a, you know, as a tool. Yeah, we may as well do him over while we're robbing the rest <laughs> of <while. laughs> America's banks. Just, just sort him out while we're at it. Yeah. You know, he's not even the main reason mm. for this. Um, and and I, I do love the... Um, the little brother aspect because it's is his little brother. He's his older brother. Oh, is he? His, I assumed he was his younger. Yeah, brother. Yeah, so did I because he I, looks so fit. I'd... But like, <laughs> <laughs> in his blue tank top that he wears all the way through the second oh. half of the film. But... Oh, gorgeous blue tank top. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, that is as an iconic act. Apparently, he's the older brother. I don't know who is the eldest out of um, Jeremy Irons and the late great Alan Rickman. In reality, but um, but yeah, apparently he's his elder brother. I, I'm waiting now for a uh, Netflix miniseries called Mr. and Mrs. Gruber oh. about the their parents and how distraught they must be about their son's life choices. Where did we go wrong with these boys? They must really, really hate Bruce Willis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who is this little shit who keeps murdering our sons? <laughs> well, Iris, I don't want you know. Devil's Advocate, they kind of had it coming. They were little yeah, shit. Yeah. I've been saying it. I've been saying oh, it. Especially Hans. Since he was 11. <laughs> I told you he was going to bring shame on this family. <laughs> uh, wardrobe. We've already talked about the immense Jeremy Irons tight blue vest with... Gorgeous frosted tips. Which, after his business meetings in the financial district, he decides he's just going to wear a vest. I mean, it's hot. It's clearly a hot day, so why not? Hot you know? town, come in the city. Jeremy Irons needs to wear a vest, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you remember, and I know you both will, one of my favourite things to wear at university, oh, in our university years? Well, nothing at all, I think, was the... <laughs> 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 I know you definitely had the frosted tips. Yeah, I definitely had those. Uh, think, think lower half. If, oh, if three my... quarter length. No cargo shorts. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm chinos. not talking short. Chinos. Yeah, yeah. Chinos. Big baggy chinos of a beige variety. Yeah. Where do you think I got that idea from? <laughs> Style tips <laughs> by Gruber. No, it wasn't Gruber. It was McLean. Oh, in this of course, yeah. yeah. I think they're more slacks, to be honest with you, Rob. They just well, get they're, they're, they're baggy, exactly baggy slacks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> baggy chinos and check shirts yeah, yeah. and vests 
I was going from the John McClane Die Hard with a Vengeance sartorial playbook. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and what a pair of chinos they are. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm certain they're slacks. They just look like chinos because they've been weighed down with human blood and probably feces from all the time that John McClane <laughs> clearly <laughs> shits himself during. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be human if you didn't shit yourself at least four times during this ordeal. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Netflix miniseries about that too. You know? The director's <laughs> cut of when they're speeding through New York in the taxi cab, McLean's just got his ass hanging out the window and <laughs> following me is that, is that the Segal edition? Because people keep he keeps letting people choke him out. <laughs> we love you, Stephen. Don't don't you know? Don't 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 think we don't. Uh, um, and then this is it, the, the movie becomes a bank heist. Yeah, for about five or ten minutes, mm. and it's a really well executed bank heist. It's a good really plan. Really good, yeah. Really good plan, yeah. And it, you know, and he said it works. It does work. They leave. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they get they, and they manage to steal all this gold. <laughs> yeah, and it's all figured out by a, a shoplifting child. Oh, so it? good. Oh That's yeah. It. Hey, it's <laughs> hey. Christmas. You could steal silly whore. Whore. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good impression, Sam. Oh, so good. And he, and yeah, he, he's the mastermind who figures it out. And yeah. Bruce, Bruce twigs that. He's like, oh shit, that's what it yeah. is. Because yeah. uh, every cop in the city is trying to find this bomb in a school. Yeah. So yeah. it just pulls everyone away Hanging from the Federal everywhere. Reserve Bank. And it's like, oh, we, yeah. Yeah, we just walk in and, and then all steal the trucks that have been set up earlier in the screenplay uh, come into yeah. play. They steal all the money. They. The bomb in the subway was just a diversion so that they'd have an excuse for the alarm going off in that particular bank so that they could break in without yeah. raising any alarm. Yeah. It's yeah. so well executed. Bruce and Samuel L. Jackson are on the other side of the city, bloody in a fountain, doing, <laughs> doing a crazy riddle with a bomb and some jugs. <laughs> like, it's just it's just so well executed. One of the reviews I read, actually, is like, why aren't, isn't anybody looking for the gold at some point? Because everybody's raiding schools to stop a school from blowing up. It's really obvious. Yeah. And Bruce Willis is the only one who twigs. Sorry, John McClane is the only one who twigs. <laughs> they look the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is the only one who twigs. Yeah, they fucking know the family. They're robbers. This is what they're doing. They're stealing. Yeah, it's all a, it's all a diversion to to rob the thing. And and again, it's a great excuse to have it as one man against this yeah. army so of, of of terrorists and, and thieves. And it's like because yeah. the cops, he, his his colleagues, are that are too busy doing something else, which is you know more important because they don't know this this whole plot. To they just think it's people screwed around with John <laughs> Clay. Yeah. It's seriously the only way this script could be more complete and on point is if over the credits that woman who complained about the 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 phones going mad was actually marrying Donald Trump at the end of <laughs> yeah. the end credits. The only thread that's Just not paid off. Everything with a neat bow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, these these dump trucks disappear off through New York. They meet lovely side characters like that geezer who's a truck driver who tells them all about the... Oh, Jerry. Jerry, yeah, Jerry. I love Jerry. He solves the thing of the, where the bomb is, doesn't he? Just, yeah. just offhand. Yeah, yeah. He just knows absolutely everything. <laughs> it's so good. Simon and his crew are taking the dump trucks filled with gold through this aqua tube, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Which is a really cool addition. It's just setting up another fantastic set piece. And um, yeah. John McClane catches a live with Jerry, who's like an... Uns- 
he's a truck driver who's got an encyclopedic knowledge of everything, basically. And he tells him all about the aqueduct. And he's quite he's having quite a nice chat before John goes and spoils it all by murdering two terrorists in front of Jerry. <laughs> And then Jerry needs to go and fill a Tesco bag over his steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he just offhands asked him, you know, who was what? Uh, who was the twenty-first president? And it's Chester A. Arthur, and that's the elementary school where the bo- eponymous bomb that the police have been searching for is actually oh. been planted. And don't you know? Wouldn't you know it? Samuel L. Jackson's children actually go to that school as well. So then it's just yeah, bong. It's all a bit coincidental, but we're on, we're on state again. Yeah. You don't have time to think yeah. of coincidence when things are moving this quickly. Yeah, yeah. Just go with how the whole movie makes you feel. The whole movie makes you feel Superb, elected. yeah. So, yeah, don't go bothering like, oh, this would never happen. And, mm. and honestly, this movie is so stacked, we've not even been able to talk about how much fun the device of the bomb is with the two mixing chemicals. Yeah, That's yeah. yeah. Cool. Like, oh, and the really cool bomb guy. Very cool stuff. Yeah, he, he loves, loves it. it. Right, and you think when when you're introduced to him and he's like sort of messing about with explosives in the um, precinct and blowing up chairs just for shits and giggles, but then he he gets a heroic moment as well during the school as well when they're trying to evacuate the school and Samuel L. Jackson's children think that the police are after them because they were running around with a stolen radio earlier in the script. Yeah, yeah. So they've hidden and then they're left in there as the bomb's about to count down and. And he stays there to defuse the bomb. Like, he risks his own life. It's, it's, oh, it's so good. I fucking love this movie. It's so good. It is ace. It is ace. Yeah. No getting around it. Um, they end up on a great big ship. Yeah. I mean, we've, 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 we've not even talked about what happens in the tube as well with Bruce. Where well, no, no. He we're... goes chasing <laughs> up the side and a dam gets exploded. Like, he surfs a truck and goes... Augustus Gloop through a tube. There's a shootout on a parkway, <laughs> which is fucking incredible as well. Like, there's so much going on in this movie. It's just incredible. You, honestly, we don't always say this because we go into quite a lot of detail with this, but do yourselves a favor if you're listening to this, go and watch Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's such a great way to spend two hours. There's so oh, much yeah. going on. And it, it doesn't feel like two hours remotely. No. It also doesn't feel like a film that's 25 years old. No, it doesn't. Very true. Apart from that dodgy CGI in the tube where he's surfing the truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that bit. Welcome back, Quentin. Yeah, Welcome yeah. back, Quentin Tarantino. But I quite enjoy that for the comedy value of it because it yeah, just looks yeah. ridiculous, but it's quite good fun. I'm into it. <laughs> Quaint effects are great. I've got no problem with that. At this point, if you're sat there going, well, this film's unrealistic. Two stars. It's like, what? <laughs> I just hate the, that. It's such a cop-out of an excuse to, to say a film shit because it's unrealistic. And it's like, oh, I'm pretty sure 90% of movies are unrealistic. Just Especially go with it. <laughs> um, popcorn movies, which this unreservedly is and unapolo- unapologetically is. And it's just so much fun. So they, they find out that and they're right, right, we have to go after Simon because he'll have the code that will disarm the bomb that's in Samuel L. Jackson children's school so nephews there is nephews are these nephews sorry yeah, I there is yeah, yeah. yeah i think i think there's just nephews um yeah so they basically go well that actually that's better because i had a little bit of a problem with the ending but now i don't have so much of it because i thought they were his children rather than his nephews <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to the end of it in a minute so anyway they need to get on a boat but it's die hard and you? you can't just drive onto a boat you've got to get onto a boat via the Brooklyn Bridge, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Bridge it is. yeah, you can't. You can't. Just, 
commandeer a little vessel and row no. up to it. You've no, got to go onto a moving boat from a bridge using a winch on a pickup truck that just happens to be there. <laughs> okay, another, it's another brilliant sequence. Yeah. Um, and that's probably the goriest bit in the whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> Which I'd totally Ooh, yeah. forgotten about as well when I watched yeah. it. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. So obviously Sliced the boat's moving. Right. They've they've uh, put a car winch on the on a crane of the boat and they start making their way across. But obviously the boat's in motion, the car gets pulled off the bridge and it eviscerates and, and uh, one of the henchmen I mean, on the deck. It's so funny. Just, let's not forget, this is a film now that, as we've just seen, they go fishing for a giant freighter yeah. using a hook and a winch from a car. Incredible. You know, it's like hook a duck of, of epic scale. And this is it. And I get like, you know, where some people might go, oh, this is just getting too ridiculous now. But I think it's all been set up so well throughout that I'm just willing to go with it at this stage. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah fuck it. Why not? Jump off a bridge. Like, mm. yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I I don't know how you could get to this point in the film and then suddenly decide now's the point you've got a problem yeah. with it now it's just the show it's fine by me um and then they're properly in like partners mode then aren't they yeah like, yeah stuff shit with lovely oozies and yeah yeah and uh yeah uh, but obviously it goes wrong again they've been double crossed again yeah I, I can't. <laughs> Tell me what happened. <laughs> because, yeah, because it's uh, the, so the the sort of main henchman of of uh, Gruber, yeah. um, who looks like Rob Brydon, Brydon, just hench German Brydon. But I've been watching the trip a lot recently, yeah, and it so, sounds yeah, yeah, like yeah. Rob Brydon's doing a German impression. Of really? <laughs> I love him. I absolutely <laughs> love him. Um, and he, because they're on a they're they're sort of for higher terrorists, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Their contract is to do this plan where they blow up the gold yeah. and bury it in the Jersey River or something to, to kill America's economy and, and boost the economy of the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. Gruber decides to double-cross that and steal the gold anyway. Sneaky and Gruber. Biden gets caught onto it. <laughs> that Gruber's going to go off with his billions and billions of gold. Buy a country. Um, <laughs> buy Which a country. country they're going to buy? Yes. Um, oh, God, so good. Um, such a good impression, Rob. Ten out of ten. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Rob Brydon's having none of that, but so they blow up. Stop calling him Rob Brydon. I'm sorry. Can I? Can I interrupt? <laughs> all this time that I was watching this film, all these years, I didn't know that the blonde woman that hangs out with them is German Rob Brydon's wife. Yeah. What do you mean? She's not Kree- Gruber's wife or partner. No, she's, she's not. She's with the other dude. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that yeah. until I watched it this time. And I was like, Yeah, she's attracted oh. to the power. So he's nicked. The- <laughs> Bullion and his girl. I mean, it's a disgrace. And he's put John McLean through a very, very testing day at the office. <laughs> <laughs> As he said, he was just going to be smoking some cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. He was quite happy with his day. On the and, and wearing chinos. That's what he was doing. That's what he was going to do today. And it's a hell of a lot of masturbating, no doubt. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment on that. <laughs> So the the boat blows up, doesn't it? Yeah. And while uh, Gruber's getting away with all his gold, 
Yeah, yeah. You know, McLean and Sam Jackson were, 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 were strapped to the bomb, but they managed to get. Of course, they get away. They get it's, away it's by mixing the chemicals, don't they? As um, oh, yeah, as the really bomb expert showed us, whose ne- character name escapes me at this stage. Um, yeah, showed us at the very start. Everything that's set up is paid off at some point yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, and it's so good. And then there's a hilarious explosion, which doesn't look great. It's that hasn't aged too well. No, it's not a real <laughs> explosion. It's supposed to be massive, isn't it? So you can see it from miles and miles away and it just looks rubbish. (laughs) And then this is probably the weakest part of the movie that we're moving into. So throughout the film, John McClane's been complaining that he's got a splitting headache because he's got a horrendous hangover. So he asks Simon for some aspirin. He gives him some aspirin and it's from a particular area of Canada and the details on the bottle give away his location for the finale. Um, So basically after that, they decide that they're going to go after um, this sneaky Gruber. <laughs> and yeah, for some reason, it, they're going to take Samuel L. Jackson with them because they're a civilian and let him hang out with the really police helicopter. Even though he's nursing a, a gunshot wound to the knee. And uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the arm first thing in the morning. Well. <laughs> and, you know, these... well, it's like, fancy a helicopter ride to Canada? Yeah. yeah. Do not want to go to the hospital? No. You want to go and check on your nephews who I thought were, were your children? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, they're not having the greatest celebration ever, these guys. It looks like a League Two promotion party in a dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> Spraying bits of champagne everywhere, going like... Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Gruber seems to be having a lot of fun until John McClane turns up with his helicopter and ruins his cock blocks him, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's poor. It's poor scenes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, McClane is a little bit too arrogant during this section here. You know, yeah. like... You've not got over the line here, mate, at all. You know, sort it out. Yeah, and then we have a bit of a standoff with some helicopters, which it feels like a reshoot. This I don't know if there was. I don't know if the script didn't have an ending and they struggled with it. I've heard. I've never seen this, but I've heard there was a sequence where McLean catches up. The original ending was supposed to be McLean catches up with uh, Gruber in in Europe months later. And they end up playing Russian roulette with a rocket launcher or something like that. Oh, oh, I have seen that. I have seen that. It's on the DVD. Oh, is it? I'm going to look for it on YouTube. You can actually watch the alternate ending. Yeah, and he basically gets the rocket launcher so you don't know where the front or back is. So it's like, right, we'll have this rocket launcher and shoot it and, you know, we don't know which which way the rock which end the rocket's going to come out no of. Way. And it's on a bridge, I think, and it just flies a uh, Gruber off a bridge. <laughs> with a ro- I totally forgot about that, James. That is that's true though. That's def- yeah. I've definitely seen it. I, I, I would have preferred that ending to be perfectly. This one's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It just feels a bit generic given what's come before. Like, and I don't know why Samuel L. Jackson's there as, as much as I enjoy him. Like, this is the one part of the movie I can't get on board with. All the ridiculous stuff that's come before it, I'm in, but, but why is Samuel L. Jackson in this helicopter? There is no need for him to be here at this point. He's no. in danger. <laughs> no. right, yeah, I, I don't really know why. Losing <laughs> lots of blood as well. <laughs> yeah, he needs to go to a hospital. <laughs> he needs to go home and check on his nephew. <laughs> <laughs> Who I thought were his children. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got, yeah, they're in Canada. I mean, like, it's a long way from New York. You know? Is this even in John McClane's jurisdiction at this stage? Should he even be there? Well, it's <laughs> yeah, it's a very good point. It's on the border, isn't it? So it's it the is. the border from because those tunnels where they're escaping with all yeah. the gold goes to upstate New York. Right. So I guess they just carried on yeah. um, and got to the north of the border. 
so it's it might still just be in America. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the film thus endeth the film with John McClane about to call his wife again. Um, yes. Guys, can I get your favourite bits, please? Oh, I mean, how long have we got? We've already gone 90 minutes on this, but <laughs> wow, what a, what a film this is. It's been an absolute privilege to talk about, and I could have spoken about it for, for hours longer. Yeah, A couple of different bits for me. So there's a few shots that I just really enjoy. So I love the bit where um, they're in the taxi cab and they run into gridlock after they've been through Central Park, and uh, John McClane rings a ambulance and a, you know get a blocker and head for the end zone and there's a really brilliant uh shot where the where the uh his, his partners and the police are trying to follow after him and you just see it from their point of view and he's just up on the sidewalk destroying a bodega and there's just tables flying everywhere it's yeah another shot as well is uh on the parkway shootout when mclean fires out the window uh, at his pursuers as the car rotates and then it flips over that's an amazing moment but i think the best actual sequence in the film is when uh, McLean's on the subway train trying to get the bomb out of the train itself and it's cross-cutting between between McLean on the train and yeah. Sam Jackson on the platform with a, with that nervous yeah. cop threatening to shoot him because he told some guy to <laughs> hang up the phone. And then, uh, and then just Sam Jackson's just performance in that moment is like, if you have to shoot me, you shoot me, but I'm going to answer this phone. And then he picks it up and hits the deck and then all hell breaks loose. It's brilliant. So they're probably my favourite moments. Nice. Sam? Yeah, so there's just so many good bits. I think, like, first and foremost, the best bit is the car chase through Central Park. Yeah. I just think yeah, that's... Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? It's so well done and it's just a mile a minute. Like, it's brilliant. It's such a well-put-together scene. Outside of the other stuff, what James has said, which is obviously all amazing, I love every bit of the... I'm not sure what her name is, but the she doesn't say a word of dialogue. I think her only bit of dialogue is she 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 winces or screams yeah. or something. The the henchwoman. Yes. Every bit she's in, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's really good, isn't there's she? a bit where they're where they're breaking into the Federal Reserve and oh. they're going in the front way and she's going in the back way. And they meet resistance with one cop on his own oh. and he's like the last line of defense to get to the safe. But he doesn't know that she's coming in the from behind. Yeah, yeah. All the shot, and it's like cutting with the CCTV camera of her walking through the door, and you see the safe open, and and then she comes and just like she gets it. It looks like a Middle Eastern blade. Yeah, doesn't yeah, it? yeah. From they they work they're working for uh, Iraq or Iran or uh, you know somewhere in the Middle East. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're working. That's who they're contracted to. And then she just slices his throat. And it's like, whoa. And she just gets sprayed with his blood. He's like, oh, God. Yeah. It's like, she, you know, she's hard as nails. Yeah, she's yeah. absolutely yeah, right. a quality sequence. I mean, it's all masterfully put together in terms of it is, isn't it? building it tension. Is. And special shout out to that day player who was only there for that one day of shooting. And he absolutely went for it. He's like screaming down oh, the whole shotgun slide. Yeah. I don't if we've got if we've got time to mention this. I absolutely loved the expositional scene with the foreman at the tunnel. Yeah, um, and it's it's just a lot of map pointing where the tunnel's going, and it's McLean and this guy are just having a shouting match. It's the most masculine scene. <laughs> yeah. What are we not doing? Well, what you do is go through the tunnel. It goes down here. Oh my god! Oh my. <laughs> just two blokes just proper <laughs> shouting at each other, and it's just it's purely just to explain the. Tunnel and why they're going through it. Yeah, and yeah. I, I was killing myself laughing. <laughs> so good. 
I, I got, if I may, I got two little bits. One is what I'm about to send you boys right now on WhatsApp. Right? Do you remember that? Um, uh, that Justin Timberlake, Andy Samberg sketch from uh, SNL. Yeah. Something in a box. Yeah, yeah. Dick in a box. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look to the far right of that. <laughs> this is your. He's right there. Oh, his beard. <laughs> That's him. It looks honestly. It couldn't be more like him. No, um, <laughs> Second bit is uh, that I absolutely love is um, when they you know the well Hensley must have been like, blimey, how do we make Jeremy Irons up close and personal seem European? Um, give him a boiled egg quickly, you know. <laughs> so he's got a lovely boiled egg, and then I love the way he says. Um, while eating an egg, safety's off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got to take yeah. the safety catch on. Lovely character <laughs> detail as well that he carries <laughs> salt shakers around with him while he's on the bridge of the yeah, ship. Just, it's so good. <laughs> is it a pickled egg or a boiled egg? Whichever, boiled whatever egg, yeah. kind of, of egg product it is, it's a marvellous effort. Who made, who made the boiled egg for him? Has he just had it in his pocket the whole time, like a little snack for after the Honestly, heist? I, I, <laughs> just, I don't see why you wouldn't have had that. it in his pocket. I mean, that's acting because when I saw that, I was like, oh, really fancy a boiled egg. Imagine, <laughs> 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 like, my, I'm just a bit down on my protein. I just need to, you know, just need to boost little, it a little bit. You have the salt shaker as well. <laughs> shoot, shoot a civilian shoot, in the leg now. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, F F Y R. Uh, for your reconsideration, what do we think? Do we recommend people go back and watch this? Simon, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I still can't believe this qualifies like at all for the. Um, it's what I was very surprised that we were able to talk about it. But um, I'm any excuse to watch it again. It's, it's, it's such a good movie. I think that first hour is as perfect as action cinema is going to get it just in line with McTernan's body of work before this movie. He's just, he just knows how to direct an action movie, you know, despite what the reviews say of, a, a you know, being generic and treading the same waters. I think the script's really smart. It explains everything. There's no plot holes like at all. Everything makes sense. Everything's done for a reason. And it's all really cleverly woven together. And I think it's really underrated, that's a really underrated thing of this movie. Yeah. The on-screen chemistry of Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson is, is brilliant and one of the best things of the film. The stunt work and practical effects are just absolute top draw stuff as well um, and makes it a, a 90s classic, uh, not just action movie, just in general. I was going to say I don't understand why John McTiernan doesn't make any movies anymore, <laughs> but James explained it perfectly well in the opening. The last half hour goes a bit stodge. But otherwise, it's a it's an exhilarating ride. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, James, this is this is our custom. You will go last because yeah. you brought the film to our attention. Um, I'd agree totally there with everything you've said, Si. The last ten minutes, if you can find a way to not have that last ten minutes in Canada or Quebec or wherever they are, and make a fitting finale tacked on to the end of the stuff on the boat, Yeah. then for me, I, I can't quibble with any of this at all. Um, all those complaints that, uh, you know, are they coasting? Uh, no. You know, is it not <laughs> no inventive? Way. No. Is it boring? No. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, all these things that people say about this, it's just a shame. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, this is just, it's so, so good. So exciting. So fresh. So dangerous. So much jeopardy. 
you've got massive, massive stars being so, so good. Uh, and you've got an, uh, the, the premier action cinema director of the 90s doing his thing. So, yeah, just if you haven't seen this, check it out immediately. If you have seen this and you thought you didn't like it, please, please go and get yourself checked into a clinic as soon as you can. <laughs> what, the watch Die Hard with a Vengeance? I don't know, if, <laughs> don't know if the NHS is providing that service at the moment, Rob. <laughs> Well, uh, we'll have a you know get a telephone conference arranged with your local physician. Yeah. Um, but yes, reconsider immediately. Oh, fantastic! I mean, I knew you guys would love this. I'm sure we've discussed it before in the past, but just great to go back and revisit what is one of my favourite action films of the '90s, without a doubt. So yeah, it reminded me how much I loved Bruce Willis as well back in the day. I just yeah. thought he was fantastic in this and. It's a real. He's so good in this role, and he's he's charming. He's got he, the way that he plays it is fantastic. The lack of vanity uh, in his portrayal is is phenomenal, and he's he's a real, real great everyman. Um, so a bit of a first on the FYR film pod. My wife watched this film with me. She hasn't Whoa. watched anything that we've covered on the thirty six oh. episodes preceding this. As did my other half. Oh, fantastic. Oh. <laughs> first so one. I'm going to leave the uh, the summing up to her. So. Um, uh, my wife Jane described this as a fun, action-packed thriller with genuine hu- humor. The plot is intricate but kept on the rails by likable leads and fully fleshed-out, interesting side characters. It has you gripped from start to finish, and the two hours fly by. And I can't oh. really criticize any of that because she'll beat me up. Yes, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, she's spot stuff. on. She's, she's absolutely right. spot on. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, um, that was a real pleasure to discuss this week. And we were all like texting each other during the week, like, I cannot wait to talk about this. Can't <laughs> wait to talk about this. So, yeah, absolutely made up. Awesome, guys. Really enjoyed it. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Please uh, check in with us on Twitter at FYR Film Pod. And also give us big, big shiny stars, five of them if you've got them, uh, on your reviewing thing of choice, your subscribe, whatever it is you subscribe and listening to us on, whatever that is, that. Go give us five on that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Next time we are discussing, I believe it's your choice, Simon, isn't it? Uh, yes, it's um, Keanu Reeves. He's got he's got quite a few mentions t- yeah. today, old Keanu yeah, Reeves. We're actually going to go into one of his movies. Um, uh, the much-derided Constantine um, is the next movie, I think. Very excited about that. Um, so everyone, Spicy. Yes. <laughs> Keep yourself well, stay safe and well. We'll see you next week. We're all off to go and buy some, well, not buy, dig out some old chinos and get some pickled eggs on the boil. (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Is basic on any of the streaming services? I bet it is. I am so digging that out. (laughs) I'm doing a John McTean in retrospective. (laughs) Won't take you that long. (laughs) 